Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. I'm very grateful to Pastor Mark for giving me another opportunity to preach here this morning. Uh, And if you recall, I told you last time I preached that every time I preach, I get a new preaching outfit. (laughs) My sister, remember I told you, my sister thinks I'm her Billy Graham doll that she gets to dress up every time I preach. Now, I don't know if Billy Graham ever wore a performance suit by J. Crew or if he had a little sister that was as thoughtful and generous as mine. Thank you. But hopefully, my performance suit helps my performance this morning. Okay, I am glad you guys laughed because that was a joke. Because I do not believe that anything that happens from behind this pulpit, no matter who is standing behind it, is a performance. And so what you're going to hear from me today is my heart for the Lord and my heart for all of you. So being that both Pastor Mark uh, and Pastor Randy are on vacation today, the preaching responsibilities are left to either Brandon, Tim, or myself. And face it, we're all kind of getting tired of Brandon and Tim, aren't we? (laughs) That was another joke. We could never get tired of Brandon. (laughs) Okay, I'm kind of picking on Tim today. Why? Namely, because he's just easy to pick on, right? Number two, because he knows that I love him dearly, and I know that he can take it. And thirdly, and thirdly, as as I was preparing this message, I realized that this message was actually an extension of the message that Pastor Tim preached in the beginning beginning of August called Keep Marching. His message was inspired out of Joshua 6, where God tells Joshua that he will deliver the city of Jericho into the hands of the Israelites, and that all they have to do is follow his simple instructions, and the city will be theirs. His, uh, His instructions were unusual but simple. March once around the city, blowing trumpets each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, blowing trumpets, and then scream, ah, and the... Uh, double fortified walls of this city would collapse and the city would be theirs. Pastor Tim compared these instructions to the instructions you get with your Ikea furniture. You remember that? He said that the uh, the, uh, instructions you get with Ikea are very confusing and they give you a tool. (laughs) He said that the the instructions can get so frustrating that it, it just... You know, makes you crazy. He says you quit marching and your brand new Ikea furniture turns into firewood. Like I said, he compared these instructions to the instructions Joshua, or God gave Joshua and the Israelites to overtake Jericho. 
He said that the instructions seemed weird and confusing to the Israelites, that they would need to march around the city. You, you might remember, I think he hummed the Rocky tune or something and walked around the speakers, but just said that it, it seemed so weird that that's what they would have to do in order to bring down these walls. His point, however, was to not get frustrated, to keep marching until you reach what God has promised, and God's instructions to get it was march. Pastor Tim was right about some people having a difficult time with IKEA furniture instructions. Now, I actually downloaded some IKEA fails from the internet. Soundboot, could you load some of those up? They quit marching. But I actually have IKEA furniture in my room, namely in my master bedroom. And I didn't seem to have the same problems that they did. Could you load those up? And actually, my IKEA furniture kit came with two tools. So when I was done with that, I decided I was going to build this. <laughs> and since there was time before dinner, I hurried and finished and built this. Okay, my point isn't just to poke fun of Pastor Tim, but to say that once you reach God's promises, don't just reach them, receive them. You know, take everything that God has for you and don't stop taking his blessings until he stops giving them. You see, if this grand piano here, and this is typical of us, if this grand piano here was filled with delicious, delightful, decadent desserts, that's hard to say, by the way. But if it was filled like creme brulee, chocolate mousse, uh, French crepes, uh, chocolate cheesecake, and God says, that's all put out there for you. Take whatever you want. I put all of that out for you. All those goodies are for you. We, we'll survey the entire table of goodies, and we'll say, thank you, Lord. I'll take the low-fat blueberry yogurt. And we leave so much on the table. Um, if God didn't want us to have it all, God wouldn't have provided it all. It's sovereign. God is sovereign over everything. If he says it's all yours, it's all yours. And chances are, it's not even fattening. So I will tell you this. If God provides a table of blessing for me, I will receive every single thing that he has for me. Everything. And I won't feel greedy. But what I won't do is I won't look at the blessings he's provided to you and try to take your blessings away. You see, I don't think that God wants us to look at another person's table of decadent desserts and, and covet their, their delicious-looking chocolate almond drop. Now, I also believe that God's blessings come with something else, an expiration date. Now, it's not like the expiration date in that, on that bag of Cheetos that's in your pantry. You know, you go there, you grab it, and you say, oh, these are expired. You open it up, we've all done it, you eat one or two, and you're like, oh, those taste fine, and you finish the bag. No, when you go back to receive the blessing that God had for you, it's no longer there, because since you didn't receive it, he gave it to someone else that he knew would use it. Second Kings 13, 10 through 19, tell us the story of King Jehoash who didn't receive all God's blessings or all of God's intended blessings. 
It reads, in the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, became king of Israel in Samaria. He reigned 16 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, uh, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He continued in, in, in them. During Jehoash's reign, he went to consult the prophet Elisha because the Arameans were preparing for war on Israel. Scripture descri describes it this way. Now Elisha was suffering from an illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, Elisha said. Get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it in his hands, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Then Elisha instructs him. Instructs him Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. A Aphek is the region we now know as Syria. And Arameans, obviously, are Syrians. Then he, tells, uh, then he tells Elisha, or excuse me, Elisha then tells the king, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground, and he struck it three times. Yeah, you're waiting for that third strike. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed him, but now you will only defeat it three times. Then verse 20 says, Elisha died and was buried. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were the king of Israel... The last words I want, would want to hear from the prophet Elijah before he died would be words of rebuke directed towards me. But that's what he heard. It's hard to uh, blame King Jehoash. You know, he did what Elisha said. He struck the ground. But when he stopped at three times, the text says the man of God was angry. So why was Elisha so angry? I believe that he was angry because Jehoash had been given the power to defeat the Arameans completely. But Jeho Jehoash didn't take full advantage of his power. He didn't receive all that God had for him. Jehoash should have been so moved by the prophecy that when he was asked to strike the ground, he would have done so with passion, excitement, courage, and conviction. But he stopped. God wanted a complete victory for Jehoash. And the power was av available if he struck the ground with faith. Elisha should have had to beg him to stop uh, striking his arrows. He should have struck the ground and struck the ground and struck the ground and struck the ground until those arrows were nothing more than pulp and slivers in his hands. God also wants a complete victory for us. So how do we respond when we're called to strike our arrows of faith? Do we strike two or three times? Or do we strike and strike with that courage and that passion and that conviction until we hear God tell us to stop. We might ask, why didn't Elisha tell the king how many times to strike his arrows? But I think the better question is, why did uh, King Jehoash go to Elisha instead of directly to God? I believe that 2 Kings 2, 1 through 10, explains in part why Elisha is so upset. Elisha was the type of prophet that would have struck his arrows and kept striking until God told him to stop. Elisha was not going to leave any of God's blessings on the table. 
2 Kings 2, 1 through 9, describe Elisha's ambition. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up in a, uh, to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they go down to Bethel. A company of prophets at Bethel came to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He said, yes, I know it, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah says to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And what does he say? He says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they go to Jericho. Then a company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know. Shut up, I think is what he said. That's not what the text says. Now, I'm going to switch to the message translation. Then Elijah says to him, stay here. God has sent me to the Jordan. And Elisha says, not on your life. I am not letting you out of my sight. And the two of them went on together. I just love the passion that Elisha has. He's not going to leave anything on the table. Fifty men of, uh, of the company of prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it, and the water divided to the right and to the left, and they crossed over on dry ground. Elijah asks Elisha when they are on the other side of the Jordan. Now, just so you know, this is my translation. What in the world do you want from me, Elijah? Because he hasn't left his side. The NIV translated translates it, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Do, do you remember what Elisha asked for? He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. That's like Elijah taking every delicious dessert that God has put out there for him, and then what does he do? He asks for more. And I think God gave him more. Also notice that all three times uh, times God sends Elijah somewhere, Elisha refuses to leave, and the prophets from each of the regions speak to Elijah, Elisha about Elijah. But none of them, not one of them, accompany Elijah, only Elisha. I remember a time when I was invited to play in a golf tournament sponsored by someone I would say is the patriarch of this church. I won't mention his name to protect him from requests from you guys to sponsor your golf tournaments. I'll simply say he may or may not have been chairman of our elder board at one time. <laughs> he may or may not be part of our praise team. He and his wife, who may or may not be Japanese, may or may not have raised three children here at church. And his first name may or may not rhyme with stingy. And his last name could be or could not be mistaken from a Christmas song I'm sure you heard last week called Randolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Anyways, if you are able to determine who this individual is through the very vague and impre imprecise description I gave you, then you possess superhuman deciphering abilities. And I will just have to apologize to him directly when I may or may not see him at Wednesday morning prayer. <laughs> and he may or may not forgive me. 
Anyways, I was golfing with him at this tournament, and normally the entrance fee is well over $100. But since this undefined and undescriptive friend of mine invited me and sponsored the tournament, I didn't have to play. So to honor his invitation, I made sure I bought tickets to a raffle. Now, I know the last time I was here, I said, we can't gamble. Um, unless it's for an undescribed, ambiguous friend that invited you to a golf tournament. That's the only exception. But I, so I buy these raffle tickets, uh, and the raffle's usually held during the lunch after the golf tournament. And this has never happened to me before, and only one time since. But as they start calling the winning numbers, they call one of my numbers. And I was like, huh, hallelujah, I won something, you know? You never win anything at a raffle. I won something. I think it was a flat screen monitor, um, you know, that you would put in your child's room. Then they call another couple numbers, and then they call another one of my numbers. It's, I won a golf club. Then I won, I think, uh, a wax scent warmer. Then I won a movie basket with movies and candy and popcorn and an 18-pack of Budweiser. <laughs> so all of a sudden, though, my hallelujah turned to, oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. So I take all of my tickets, and I shove them over to my undescribed friend. And I said, listen, this is embarrassing. i got to get out of here. And so as I'm grabbing all my plunder, I can barely hold on to everything. People are taking cell phone pictures of me. They're congratulating me, just completely adding to my embarrassment. But I, I make my way out of there, and I take my bounty of prizes to my wife, Lisa, who works down the street and drives an SUV. At the time, I had a Mustang that barely held everything. So I transfer my tournament booty to her car, and I just remember thinking, geez, I am glad that is over, you know? And I'm making my way to church here. I'm on I-5. I think I just passed under, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm on March Lane. I just passed under I-5. And my dear friend pulls up next to me. He's honking his horn. He's hollering. He's like, pull over. You want a golf bag after you left? <laughs> God chooses whom he will bless and how he will bless them. Oftentimes, though, his blessings aren't prizes. They're personal gifts of a spiritual na nature that he gives to us through the Holy Spirit. He is a loving and gracious God, and he wants us to receive all that he has for us. You know, during my time serving on the elder board, uh, we read and discussed a book by the, uh, written by Don Cousins called Leadership. Some of you guys might recall a seminar that we had with that actual author here. One chapter really caught my attention, and it focused on what the author called the zone of God's anointing. He wrote that when you are in the zone of God's anointing, the bullseye that God has created for your life, he rains down his blessings upon you so much that sometimes it's embarrassing. Um, but when you're in that zone of God's anointing, it's when you feel his joy and his pleasure. It reminds me of a man by the name of Eric Henry Lydell. That name might be familiar to some of you. He was a, uh, an Olympic runner and later a missionary to China. He was called the Flying Scotchman. He won a gold medal in the 1924 uh, Summer Games in Paris. He was born in China to missionary parents. And when his little sister asked him to stay in China, he was quoted as saying, I know God has a purpose for me, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When Eric Lydell ran, he was in the zone of God's anointing. One of my spiritual gifts is giving. Ask anybody here at the church 
Anybody that works in the office, and they will confirm that is definitely one of his spiritual gifts. I gave every one of those gifts that I won at that tournament away. I gave the golf club to my ambiguous friend right there at the luncheon. I gave the golf bag to an elder that serves at this church. The, the monitor sits in a staff person's office right here at Quail, and I gave that movie basket with the movies, the candy, and the 18-pack of beer. I'm not going to tell you who I gave that to, <laughs> but he attends this church as well. Luke 6.38 reads, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I've heard pastors use that particular scripture in somewhat of a prosperous way, saying, saying um, give, and God will supply all your needs. Or, you can't outgive God. But I believe you have to read that entire scripture in context with the, with the verses before and the verses after, and it tells us why we should give. L Luke 6, 35 through 38 reads, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. When we give of ourselves, we truly are uh, a reflection of the God who created us. I believe that God wants us to use the blessings he gives us and push them forward to demonstrate his love, his kindness, and his mercy. You know, your gift might not be giving. Maybe you feel God's pleasure when you pray for those that God tells you to pray for. Or, or, or maybe your gift is compassion, and you feel God's pleasure when you are compassionate to those that God tells you to be compassionate. Maybe your gift is humor. Orrin, I don't know where you are. You may feel God's pleasure when you provide humor and make someone smile. When, when, you, make, when you feel God's joy and his pleasure you are in the zone of God's anointing and are using the gifts that he gave you. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means everyone here has a gift. And we are to use those gifts uh, that we receive to reflect the love of God. We are created in the image of God. And if we are the image of God, our actions, our words, our passions, our convictions, our generosity should be a reflection of the character of the creator God and his love for his creation. You know, very well-known passage, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, I mentioned earlier that I believe God's blessings have an expiration date. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of us have an expiration date. My goal is to use the gifts that God gave me to do the good works that he prepared in advance for me, you know, obviously before I expire. And I've got a video that uh, I'd like to show that speak to expiration dates.
Outlive your life. Leave a legacy so that people remember not just your personhood, but just your spirit and, and how you minister to them. So, in closing, I'd like to remind you to first keep marching. No matter how difficult and confusing the instructions are or circumstances are, keep marching until you reach God's promises. Two, once you reach his promise, receive everything that he has for you. Leave nothing on your table. Strike your arrows with passion, with conviction, and with love. And leave nothing on the table. Don't stop striking until you hear God tell you to stop striking. And three, using all that God has gifted you with, live a life that reflects God's love, his kindness, his mercy, his love. Remember, you are created in God's image. And your image, your life, just like the uh, video that worship art showed, your, your image and your life may be the only Bible that some people ever see. Would you close with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, let each one of us here outlive our lives. Let, let us do something with eternal consequences, God, that, uh, that we can take to eternity. God, I pray for each and every individual in this room. Uh, I know that you have gifted each and every individual, not with the same gifts, with different gifts, to be used in different ways. And, um, and may we use those gifts, God. Can we start the new year by applying what you have given to us to make a difference for your world, your kingdom, and eternity? In Jesus' name, amen.